October 1986, Pohakalua Training Area on the Big Island of Hawaii. I am near the summit of Mauna Kea, one of the big volcanoes there, with my platoon. We've been told that this mountain, Mauna Kea, this volcano, is actually the tallest mountain on Earth, taller than Mount Everest, if you start at the bottom of the ocean. As I take in the awe-inspiring sight over the clouds out into the electric blue of the Pacific Ocean, I realize a couple of things. I've only been in the Army for seven months, and here I am at the top of the world in Hawaii, a place that I thought only the Brady Bunch and rich people went. And I thought the people I went to school and church with will probably never see this. The next day, I turned 19 years old. Welcome to Light Fighters, the last foot soldiers of the Cold War. That is right. In the late 1980s, a group of young men who grew up without computers, cell phones, and social media will help end the Cold War. This is not based on a true story. This is a true story. Folks, i got to tell you, when I went to Hawaii in October of 1986... I don't even celebrate my birthday now because you can't top celebrating your 19th birthday in Hawaii. But when I went there, it really felt like a reward for the outgoing battalion. But we did some very serious training. One night we were the Op 4. We had AK-47s with blanks. We went and attacked this medical battalion, remember, because they had porta-potties. We're like, wait a minute, porta-potties, all we have is entrenching tools. But we did this simulated raid on this medical battalion. I think we scared the bejesus out of them. So it was just, it was, it was great fun. I mean, this is 1986. There's no wars going on. But we did some pretty great soldiering. I mean, climbing up to the top of Mauna Kea was awesome. And then, of course, I was reminded during that deployment to Hawaii that the Army is still a very dangerous place. There was an accidental discharge of an M60 round coming off the range, injuring one of the soldiers, I think, in, in headquarters company. It might have been one of, the, one of the rifle companies. Well, this episode is going to take us to the next episode, which I promise you, next episode, the Cohort Battalion arrives. That, that great day when I, saw, when I met so many of you at Stillwell Hall overlooking, again, the Pacific Ocean. That is our next episode. But on this episode, I want to talk about the fall of 1986 to the December exodus when everyone took leave in December back during the Cold War and my first leave going home from joining the Army. And like I said, next time, cohorts, I promise this is going to be all about you. By the fall of 1986... I mean, Hawaii being a big part of it. Like I said, that was a place that rich people went, big-time businessmen went, celebrities went, the Bradys went, the Osmonds went sometimes. It wasn't a place that you expected to grow. Growing up the way I did, very you know, nice place, but a very middle-class existence. Well, since we're talking about the fall of 1986, I've got to tell y'all, I was absolutely, I learned this word in California, I was stoked to be at Fort Ord. We had, you know, full-blown flag football in those days, intramural football. It was awesome. I was really learning to love the area around Fort Ord. Seaside, Marina, Salinas, really, really great. 
It was during this time, right before the cohorts arrived, that I met somebody named Staff Sergeant John Harrison. He was the first person to call me Doc. I was, I was brand new. I think I was off on a mission to find chem light batteries or something like that. He was a great soldier, great leader. He had served in Granada in 1983. I think that was Operation Urgent Fury. He was one of the few soldiers in the entire battalion with a combat patch on his right sleeve. He would go on to be a Desert Storm veteran like me, and he would, he would die in a training accident at Fort Campbell many years later in 1996. If you are listening to this and you are kin or family to First Sergeant Harrison, I want you to know he was one of the best soldiers I met in those early days at Fort Ord. He helped me so much. And we had a lot of sergeants. We had a lot of great soldiers in that battalion. But 30 years later, over 30 years later, I've never, I've never forgotten him. Well, when I get back from Hawaii, I'm told that I will be heading out in November to something called the Light Leaders Course. It is a month-long soldiering crucible at Fort Benning, Georgia, at the U.S. Army Airborne Infantry and Ranger School. That is for NCOs that are going to be staying on, officers and NCOs that are going to be staying on to lead the incoming cohort battalion. I am sent down with two other medics to Fort Benning in Georgia, but I am the only medic that participates in all of the training. And that is what I want to talk about on this episode, because my time at Fort Benning is what connects me to the cohort battalion. I really get to know folks like Sergeant Epps and Sergeant Kruger and, of course, Sergeant Harrison, Sergeant Bedwell, officers like Captain Grossman, and, of course, Bravo Company's commander, West Pointer, Captain Haas. One of the things that I will never forget, stories I will never forget from Fort Benning, like I said, we did everything. I was learning how to really shoot the M16. I was learning how to, we did all these kinds of classes and, and how to tie knots and land navigation. I learned so much about land navigation at Fort Benning. If, again, if you're listening to this because your parents or your grandparents or family members were in the Army back in the 1980s, there is no GPS. There are no cell phones or no computers in the field. You have a lensatic compass and a paper map. And, if, and your whole job as an officer or a senior enlisted person is to know where you're going. Well, everybody in this school, Light Leaders Course, is either an officer or a sergeant or above. I'm there and I'm learning stuff every single day. This is the ultimate memory for me at Fort Benning. One day we are doing what is called rappelling. Now I did rappelling at Fort Sill when I was in basic training. It was very simple. They put the, the, the harness on you, they put the rope around you, they showed you how to kind of go down the wall, no big deal. This was something else. We had done that kind of rappelling at Fort Benning at Light Leaders Course, but this was rappelling out of a helicopter. You put these ropes in a bag, the helicopter went up in the air, you tossed the bags out of the door, and then you rappelled down those ropes. Now, for this particular story, this is not a Black Hawk helicopter, 
My first time rappelling out of a helicopter, not my last, but my first time rappelling out of a helicopter was the old standard green Vietnam era UH-1 Huey. You had to get out of the door, turn yourself around, and balance yourself on the skid. Well, the first two guys went, and it shook the helicopter. I weigh 140 pounds, and I slide in between the skid and the body of the helicopter. I, am, I, I reach out, like your natural instinct is like to brace yourself for a fall, and I reach in front of me, which of course releases the tension on your back that you need to repel, and I am now inverted, holding on for dear life to this rope underneath this Huey helicopter. I have to look back, I have to look back to see the ground. In those days, it was my habit to load my cargo pockets of my BDUs on one side with a pound of plain M&Ms and on the other cargo pocket, peanut M&Ms. I carried two pounds of peanut and plain M&Ms with me all through Light Leaders Course. We had a little PX there where we had the school. Unbeknownst to me, as I'm boom, 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 bouncing up against the bottom of this helicopter, the M&Ms are spilling, just flowing out of my cargo pockets. And with the prop wash, they're getting shot into the guys below like shotgun, like, like pellets, like, you know, ping, 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 ping. As they start to lower me down, I look down and I can see guys reaching up. And I think, oh, my God, they think I'm going to fall. They're trying to catch me. They're trying to catch the M&Ms. Well, they get me down towards the ground. They lower me. They're, they're telling the pilots, don't land, don't land. You'll crush them. Stop, stop, stop. They get me out of, you know, the ropes. I'm on the way. You know, the ropes come out of my Swiss seat, and I walk off, and the guys are just backslapping me and laughing and just making jokes. I still have no idea about the M&Ms. I will not find out about that until much later. Well, Captain Haas, who is watching all of this, walks up to me and, you know, the way the husband grabs his bride and carries her over the threshold, he grabs me, just picks me up, carries me over to the Huey, which is still on the ground with the propeller, you know, thundering overhead. And he does not set me back in the helicopter. He throws me back into the helicopter and screams over the prop wash to the crew chief, make him do it again. And I do. I come down in a perfect L shape, land on the ground, on belay, everything the second time is perfect. From that moment to the day I left Fort Ord in March of 1989, I was part of the infantry club. I was a grunt. I was accepted by the officers and the NCOs, the great leaders that are, go, that are going to go on to train the cohort battalion, 4th battalion, 21st infantry. And I have done it all by making a complete jackass out of myself. Captain Haas, Bravo Company Commander Bushmasters, never forget that moment. We, we would go everywhere again, like all of y'all. We would go everywhere 
together. Uh, I met, like I mentioned before, Captain David Grossman, who wrote the famous book on killing, about the psychology of killing in combat and in law enforcement. Of course, Captain Townsend uh, from Alpha Company. The, the, the trip to Fort Benning, the deployment to Fort Benning, like leaders course, was just an absolute game-changing moment for me in my time, early in my time in the Army. We, we graduate from Light Leaders course on December 18th. I remember thinking it was the first time I'd ever been away from home for Thanksgiving. I, I had my Thanksgiving dinner in 1986. Where'd you have it? I know exactly where I had it. This little mess hall at Fort Benning, Georgia. Well, we have our graduation ceremony coming up on December 18th. And it is learned that because I'm not an 11 Bravo, I'm a 91 Alpha for my MOS, that I'm not entitled to a certificate. Well, here comes Captain Haas again, along with some of the sergeants and other guys. Again, these are all leaders. There are, there are only three enlisted guys that are E4 and below. I'm a, I'm a E2 when I go to Fort Benning. The three medics are the only you know, E4s and below at this school. Captain Haas goes to the uh, head of the school and says, listen, we, we need a certificate for Doc. He did everything. He did everything we all did, and I got one. It's the only picture I'm posting for this show. I, I, I did my bit at Fort Benning, like all of you light fighters did. To me, that is what connects me to my guys in Alpha Company and all of y'all at 421. When I hear you talk about the difficult terrain at Fort Benning and the red clay and the Chattahoochee River and all of that stuff, I've been there. We've all been there. If you will permit me two last final quick stories about the fall of 1986, fall of 1986 into December of 1986, the Christmas exodus. Here they are. I remember leaving Fort Bend, and we flew out of Columbus, Georgia. I think we connected to Atlanta. Then I flew home to San Antonio, Texas. And my parents and my brother, who was in the Air Force at the time, he had just joined the Air Force. He was home for Christmas as well. They picked me up at the San Antonio International Airport. Now, I was a soldier. I did not have what we called luggage. I had the big green duffel bag that you all remember with our name and our social security number stenciled on the outside. And I had my rucksack and my med kit that I carried when I was in the field. I had all of that with me and I checked all of that. I didn't take any of that on the plane with me. And so we're there in San Antonio, it's nighttime, it's a Friday night, and here comes the duffel bag, and I take it off the carousel. And then comes the rucksack, which, again, has my med kit attached to it by those straps at the top. Well, my brother grabs it. My brother grabs the rucksack. It wasn't just the med kit. I had taken so much stuff with me from Fort Benning. I had all kinds of, I had all kinds of M16 rounds, even though I didn't have any way of shooting them. I had smoke grenades and grenade simulators. I had all of this stuff, plus my regular gear, my Gore-Tex and my change of clothes and MREs and food and everything. My brother throws it up on his back and he falls backwards like a turtle onto the rucksack. 
I walk over. I've got my, my duffel bag on my back now. I reach out, you know, pull him up by the hand, and I said, hey, man, be careful. This isn't the United States Air Force. And I take the rucksack, and I carry it in front of me out to the car and off to my parents' house to enjoy my first Christmas in the United States Army. Last story. Midnight Mass, St. John Newman Catholic Church, San Antonio, Texas, 1986. When the Mass is over, I'm walking out with my family. I'm in my green dress uniform. A lady that I've known all my life walks up to my mom, looks at me, and then says to my mom, Well, who is this? My mom and I both look at her like, What, are you crazy? My mom goes, it's my son, Jason. And then the lady kind of like focus, looks, squints, and looks at me. Oh, my goodness, I didn't recognize you. I didn't recognize me either in December of 1986. Starting at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, then to Fort Sam Houston, then on to Fort Ord, then on to Fort Benning, Georgia, and the Light Leaders Course. As I closed out the year 1986, I was not the person who had celebrated New Year's Day in January. I was somebody else. I was a grunt. I was a soldier. Like all of you, I was a light fighter. Next episode, the Cohart Battalion arrives at Stillwell Hall on that Monday. My name is Jason Dias. Thank you for listening to Light Fighters, the last foot soldiers of the Cold War. Until next episode, no slack, cold steel, Bushmasters, and Night Fighters, Boar Brother Boar. <laughs>